Hello everyone, welcome to the, I don't want to call it a new edition, but a reintroduction of a weekly podcast that I used to do in the past, uh, but I kind of slipped off the trail and now we're back. So I want to use this medium to talk about the books that I've been reading in the previous week, some general updates regarding some of my thoughts, although regular followers will know about it on a daily basis, but it's nice to condense it. Uh, and uh, just talk about some of the things that I've been thinking about and some of the thoughts that I've been having with some of the books that I've read and some things that are a bit out there and that I haven't actually discussed on any channels. So I just want to start off by saying that it's been a while since I've been posting quite regularly. Followers of the channel will know that in the past, over the last, I want to say, year and a half, I've been posting quite regularly. But over the last previous nine months, it's been a bit off the trail. But I'm back. Uh, there was just some slight issues, but, you know, I'm back. So time for some more content and time to sort of re-engage with the community, if you want to call it that. So let's just start off by talking some of the books that I've been reading over the past week or so. So one of the ones that I found most impactful was Atomic Habits by James Clear. Now, I've been seeing and saw rev many reviews of this book on Instagram and uh, around the place. And I thought it was time to sort of read it. Uh, although I listened to the audiobook on, on Audible because I had a free credit. So I thought I'd listen to it. And I found it very helpful, found it very insightful. Um, I'll get into some of the points that I think uh, that we could all apply into our day-to-day -day lives later on in the podcast. However, uh, I just wanted to touch upon that as one of the books I've been thinking about. Uh, another one is uh, that I'm still currently listening to, which I started yesterday, which was The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. I haven't read any of his previous books. I think I've got one up there. Yeah, Leaders Eat Last, one of them up there. Uh, and I know he has uh, Start With Why, I think is the other book, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm really enjoying it. I'll get into some of the points a bit later. Um, and there's two others that you see over my left shoulder. One of them is The Great Economist by Linda Yu, which I've been reading now for quite a while. I'm still trying to get through it. Um, it's not that it's boring or anything. It's more the fact that I'm just um, slow, if you want to call it that. Um, I, I much prefer listening to audiobooks so I can be in the gym, so I could be in the car. That's kind of the way that I function. I'm very audio related. Uh, I need to be a bit more disciplined with actually sitting down there with the book and actually going through it, which I try and propose. But sometimes when you're quite busy, it's nice if you're around the house or if you're, you know, going places in the car to work or commute. I especially like it in the gym. I'm not a big music listener. Uh, I find it, you know, you can get in sort of a good 45 minutes to 50 minutes of uh, audiobook time in the gym uh, I tend to listen to it as at times 1.75 1.5 I find is is a good speed uh, but I think 1.75 I've kind of got used to uh, on the on the playback speed two is just a no-go I can't do two I can't understand what they're saying I know some people listen to two and they think oh yeah I can rattle through a book really quickly I personally can't because I feel like you're losing the actual nature of the book and the way in which it's I, I just can't digest the information that quickly. That's basically what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. So one of them's uh, The Great Economist by Linda Hugh, which I've just read a chapter earlier about Karl Marx, which I'll get into later because there's some thoughts I have on that. And uh, the other one is a book that was sent to me by Profile Books. 
uh, by um, Ash Ali and Hassan Kuba, which is called The Unfair Advantage, which is about entrepreneurship, which uh, I'm yet to get into, but I've already contacted the author, um, as many of you will know, who's listened to, um, who's what listens to my Instagram or, or who don't who follows me on Instagram uh, will know that. By the way, if you don't follow me on Instagram, follow me at One Minute Book for You. So those are the books that I've got going at the moment. Atomic Habits are finished, but like I've said before, I tend to re-listen to audiobooks twice before doing a review on it, just in case I miss anything. And Simon Sinek's one, I'm nearing the end. Uh, Linda Hugh, I'm still kind of caught all the way through. I think chapter four is Carl, chapter three is Karl Marx, so I'm nearly finished chapter three. Um, uh, the first two were Adam Smith and David Ricardo. Uh, an unfair advantage I'm yet to start. So those are the books that I've got going at the moment. Uh, just some updates on the channel. Like I said, I'm starting to post a bit earlier. Uh, I've just redone a whole new website, www.1minutebookreview.com. There is a link in my Instagram bio. Uh, there's currently a, currently a vlog there called 1% Better, which I'll kind of touch on in uh, the James Clear section of this podcast. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. Um, it's a lot better than my previous website. There's some new additions to the About section where you can find out a bit more about me and, and what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And also a... Um, sort of a mission statement-ish kind of thing on what my plans are for this channel and growing the community as well as uh, sort of a newsletter section and my vlog and all that kind of stuff. If you don't subscribe to my vlog, check me out on YouTube at One Minute Book For You if you don't subscribe to me on YouTube, so check that out as well. Get a bit more behind the scenes stuff. I just filmed a funny skit out in, in the room talking about me trying to set up this podcast. Um, so go check out that vlog because you'll see some of the things obstacles I came into so just to get this out there to you so yeah new website TikTok now I've heard a lot about TikTok and I've been doing it now for the probably the last couple of weeks different I'm getting used to it but if you want to go check me out on TikTok at one minute book review I really appreciate if you went to go check that out something a bit different hopefully you can kind of I'm trying to get my personality across more in these videos because maybe before I wasn't very good at getting my personality across. So hopefully TikTok can kind of break down those barriers as well as these podcasts and the vlogs. So go check me out on TikTok at One Minute Book Review. So general channel updates. Uh, the direction I'm trying to go with this is trying to interview more authors. So I've set up an interview, hopefully once I've reviewed uh, The Unfair Advantage with uh, Hassan Kuba and hopefully Ash Ali if he's available. So I'm trying to get more authors, more interviews uh, arranged just to give a bit more in depth about some of the ideas uh, behind the books. And yeah, just give some more context about what the authors were thinking when they wrote their book, what their general thoughts are um, about the subjects. A lot of the time they don't include all the information in the books. They kind of just include a subset and uh, leave a lot um, on just not not in the book so it's it's nice to just have a discussion about kind of the things that they were thinking about while writing it and some of the things that they missed out so yeah like i said let me get into the podcast where i'm going to talk about more the key concepts that i found in some of the books that i've read this week and some of the things that i think that can provide a lot of value to you as uh, potential readers or even as people who have read these books but just want a refresher just some ideas that i've got in my head about some of these concepts so the first one was whilst reading Atomic Habits. Um, there was three kind of points I touched on, and I touched on this briefly in a uh, an Instagram post uh, earlier today. So in Atomic Habits, the idea of the book is to create minute uh, 
habits, i.e. atomic habits, uh, that can change your life. Um, as you know, habits are an integral part of our lives. The habits that we have all almost determine the success, the success that we're going to have in the future. It So the, the worry I had with this book was that it would be somewhat too similar to The Power of Habit. For those that have read The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, you'll know that that's a very comprehensive book. So when reading that um, and reading any other book on habits, it's kind of, you kind of, automatically comparing it to that that is the standard of uh, habit books just because it's been so influential and it's sold so well so I was interested to see how this book compared to it I don't like comparing books but it, it's almost inevitable when you get into the subject of reading books that sometimes you'll have some that you just inherent, inherently compared to just because they are similar or they just are in the same genre. So whilst reading Atomic Habits, I found that it was a lot more, I want to say granular. A power of habit was a lot to do with the, the actual process behind it, creating habits. But one thing I touched on when I did the review of that book was it didn't go into too much depth about the actual practical application of the habit. It was more the scientific background behind it and how we react and how we create habits, both good and bad. So I think James Clear, the author, realized this and thought, Do you know what, I'm going to create something that is a bit more practical for the author. So they're able to break down the habits that, that they want and how they could practically apply it. And he uses his own experience in his own life in order to give examples to us, the reader, about how we can implement them. So there was three things that I found as the key takeaways when I was listening to this book. The first was in regards to goals. So we're all goal orientated at the moment. Everyone should be goal orientated. Otherwise, you sort of wander through life without any cause. So instead of going you know, and writing down your top five goals for the year. I mean, we're coming to the end of the year now. It's only a couple of weeks until the end of the year. So a lot of people will be doing New Year's, New Year's re resolutions, whether that's to lose weight, read more books, whatever that might be personal to you. My personal opinion on New Year's resolutions is I think it's a bit of a fad. I think that if there's something that you wanted to change and you feel like there's something that needs to be changed, it should be done there and then. It will take time to implement, but at least the intention's there. You can't change something if you don't have the intention to do it. I can see the benefit of a fixed set period in time, such as New Year's, in order to set new goals, but I don't think that it's sort of long-lasting if you kind of wait until New Year. I mean, it could be October and you want to lose weight and you're like, okay, I'm going to wait till December, New Year's resolution. And it's kind of like, well, you should kind of be doing that today, uh, even if it's taking small incremental steps leading up to New Year's to then quit at the end of New Year's. What a lot of people try and do is they wait till New Year and they're like, do you know what, I'm going to cut this out. And that's not practical because it never works. It never has worked and it never will work. So if there's stuff that you want to change, you have to do incrementally, but you have to do it today. So the idea that I read about in the Atomic Habits was to be more process driven when it comes to your habits rather than sort of um, results orientated. So what that means, a lot of people focus on their goals in the fact of the results that they have. They're so queued up on the future, on what they want to achieve that they forget about the day to day things that they need to do to reach their goals. So this could be as easy as someone wanting to go to the gym. So if you want to go to the gym, you have to wear gym clothes. I mean, you're not going to go wearing a denim jacket and some jeans to the gym. I mean, I've seen people do it. 
no comment but you're going to wear gym clothes so if you're going to go in the early morning for instance like i do you're going to have more of a chance to do it if you pack your bags and you get your clothes ready the night before and you set it all out you get your water bottle there you get whatever coffee you're going to have before or a banana or a snack you get it ready you have your keys you have your wallet you have it all set out so that when you get up in the morning it's just like bam the alarm goes off you've got everything ready and you're good to go if everything's scattered all over the place you're kind of thinking, you know, have I forgotten this? Have I forgotten that? You don't get into a nice flow. And then once you get into the rhythm of it, it becomes a lot more, a lot better for you. Then it becomes a routine. You're like, okay, have I got this for my gym session in the morning? I need to get this ready, this ready, this ready, etc. So that's just one example. But I like the overarching idea of being process driven when it comes to your goals. For instance, something that I'm going to use is when creating content or videos, be more process driven. I've got this goal of amassing a more of an audience, more of a following, creating more value, creating better content. But if I don't do the day-to-day -day things that I need, i.e. producing content, then I won't get better at it. So focus on the actual process of, in this instance, creating or in the instance of going to the gym, actually getting stuff ready to go to the gym. And then thing is, when you go to the gym, once you get up and leave the house, or once you actually get stuff ready to go and you actually leave the house, the that's the hardest bit. Once you're at the gym, it's fine. You can just go through your workout. Very rarely do you go to the gym and you don't have the energy to be there. It's the hardest bit is actually going there. So it's putting yourself in a position on a day-to-day -day basis based on your processes in order for you to then reach your goals, whatever that might be, whatever goals you have, whatever things you're looking for, it's focusing on those processes to then eventually really realizing those goals down the line. Now, there's an element of patience that comes into this because goals aren't reached uh, in the short term unless they're short term goals specifically that are part of a long term goal. But I would substitute the short term goal for processes and then keep the long term goal there so that you've got a trajectory that you're looking for and that you have something that you can check back to um, along the way. So on that point, I've just had a little brain um, flash, if you want to call it that. So in the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, he talks about when he was doing army ranger training and they used to do navigation training or orientation training, he would they would set backstops in the map. So if you're going from point A to point B, they'll have a backstop, whether that's a, a turning or a sort of a milestone, whether that's a set of trees, whether that's, you know, a road, whatever that might be, they had a backstop. So if on the map they set it out and they knew that at this point, if they hadn't reached that milestone or that cop of trees or whatever it might be, that they would have gone on the wrong path. So that's the backstop. So we could create that in our own lives. We have the short-term goals, we have the long-term goal, the short-term goals are the processes, but then we can create backstops. For instance, you wanna create, I don't know, you wanna go to the gym three, four times the week. You hold yourself accountable to that, write it down. You know, get someone to, you know, track it for you, get someone close to you to be like, okay, I'm gonna do this three times a week, hold me accountable. If you don't do it, then then uh, then you have to pay money to charity or whatever it might be. You might have to buy your friend a, a, a drink or a, a meal or your whatever, go out for a movie. So hold yourself accountable. Once again, David Goggins talks about this in Can't Hurt Me, the accountability, accountability mirror. And other people have their ways of doing it. Tim Ferriss has journaling. Um, there's multiple ways to do it. I tend to do journaling 
or I use this medium in the camera ways of, of keeping myself in check because if I'm expressing it to you, that means I have to hold myself accountable, otherwise I'm a hypocrite. So whatever way that you find to hold yourself accountable, then you need to do it. Excuse me. So the second point that kind of stuck with me, um, and I did a vlog about this the other day on my YouTube channel, was the 1% better rule. So it kind of leads on from the first point about being more process driven than results driven. But it's the idea that focus on getting 1% better a day and accumulated over time, you'll create a life or a situation that will be very beneficial to the, to you, whatever that might be. So sticking on the physical exercise part. So if you go to the gym regularly and you focus on getting 1% better every time you go to the gym, chances are in a year's time, you'll be in a very good position. Or if you want to get, for instance, go back, to, let's go back to New Year's resolutions because we talked about that earlier. So getting 1% better on a day-to-day -day basis, for instance, if you're addicted to Coke, I have a very good friend who at school, I won't mention his name, um, he used to drink two liters of Coke a day. And I I love it, but I don't have it very often. I might have it once or twice a year on a cold day. Oh, not sorry, on a warm day in England, which is very rare. Uh, so he used to drink two liters of Coke a day. And if you go to someone, I mean, we all know someone who drinks a lot of, who drinks a lot of Coke. I have co-workers who drink it in the morning, which I think is just, I don't get it. But you go to one of those people and you say, do you know what? That's wrong. You should stop that. They're not going to stop it within a day. They're not going to stop drinking Coke at nine o'clock in the morning for their caffeine rush. If you tell them to stop straight away, they won't. It's just, it's not feasible. I mean, very few people have the mindset and the willpower to do that just to stop straight on. It's usually due to health reasons or a loved one saying it to it. And even if a loved one says that half the people don't even listen to them. So if you just say to them, okay, so in a week you drink, for instance, let's say a bottle a day, so that's seven bottles. Do you know what? For the next maybe three months, every single month, just reduce that by maybe two bottles, you know? So the first month, reduce it by two bottles. So it's only five bottles a week. Then the second month, it's three bottles a week. And then the third month is only one bottle a week. So then you're incrementally reducing it over time and then you can find substitutes, whatever substitutes that might be that you can find, then you can implement those into their life. So it's a wide concept and you can use it in any part of your life, whether that's in hobbies or whether that's in your work life, trying to get 1% better on a day. I've tried to do this in the gym. Sometimes I falter in the gym and it just becomes a routine. I just go there, do a bit of stuff and then I leave. I most of the time I just listen to the audiobook and get captivated or, or I'm just listening to it. But trying to remain focused on giving everything but then getting 1% better on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so that is something that I think that can be applied to everyone and that everyone can use in their life. And it's one of it's one of my big takeaways from the book is that 1% better. It's every day you get up, you can focus on getting that 1% better and then build that out across the year and across time, you can find ways to improve yourself. And it's, I mean, he touched upon this in the book. It was the similarities to financial sort of freedom in the sense of compound interest. The 1% rule is very similar to compound interest. For those who don't know about compound interest, it's interest that 
you put maybe towards investments and you earn 5% a year interest, compound interest or interest. And then over time, it compounds. For instance, in the first year, you earn 5% interest. The second year, you earn 5% interest on the original amount plus that 5%, which is a, a larger increase based on that first amount that you initially put in. So over a 30 to 40 year period, if you were just earning, let's say, if you just left that money there, and you just added 5% a year, but it was 5% based on the original figure, I should have done maybe done a calculation for this to maybe set a better example, but you can understand what I mean, is the first year you put down 5%, you earn 5% interest, and the second year you earn the original amount plus that 5% on that 5%, and it grows and grows and grows and grows. So it's similar to the 1% every day. It compounds over time. So then if you just focus, if you take that first point of the process driven and the 1%, you put those two together, and you're almost onto a winner. You just have to be patient with it and stay on the right track and you'll get there. So something a bit more practical would maybe be the two minute rule for those that are maybe struggling to implement a new habit, whether that's exercise, whether that's, uh, I just had a thought that came to my mind about the book, um, whether that's exercise, whether that's reading, whatever it might be, it just focus on the first two minutes of doing it. He had an example in the book, uh, James Clear, where he talks about someone who just went to the gym for five minutes. He went there for five minutes, focused on five minutes, did his workout and then left and then did that for like a couple of weeks and then came back and thought, do you know what, I'm coming here so often, I might, might as well stay a bit longer. But it's only because he focused on that five minutes initially that he was able to be like, okay, well, I'm here already, I might as well go for a bit longer. You could do this for reading, you can do this for exercise, you could do this for, you know, writing for the the writers and authors out there just focus on five minutes of writing I, I mean you could a lot of people think writing is difficult I mean I need to do more of it and I do quite a bit of it when I'm preparing for podcasts or if I'm you know preparing for vlogs or whatever it might be and Stephen King said it very famously I think he said uh, when people ask him about writing um he just said it's it's like one, I think he said is one word at the time or one page at the time. It was one of the two. So just focus on those small achievements. And then over time, they accumulate into something quite big. So those are my three things. Being process driven rather than results orientated. Focus on getting 1% better a day and adopting the two minute rule in order to change your habits. So those are the three things that I took from Atomic Habits. And I think that's a lot of the things that people can find useful when uh, reading this book, listen to the audiobook. I found the audiobook very helpful. Maybe down the road, I might get the book. I tend to do that, by the way. I tend to listen to the audiobook, uh, love it, listen to it a couple of times, and then eventually get the book and then read the book. Some would say it's counterintuitive. Some would say it's a waste of time, but uh, I like it. So I did that with uh, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. I think I listened to it four times on audiobook and then read it, I've already read it twice. So there's many things that you miss when you read a book. There is many, many, many things. If um, I always find it strange when people say that um, they love a book and I ask them, how many times have you read it? They're like, oh, only once. I'm like, I thought you said you love the book. I mean, there's many things that you miss in a book when you only read it the one time. So... I mean, I will be listening to this book again. Like I said, I'm already sort of, I've already started listening to it for a second time um, before I started um, 
but I kind of got caught up listening to um, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. But I will read it again. I will listen to it again before I do my review of it because I, ca I tend to listen to it two times, like I said before. So those are the points that I took from Atomic Habits. So the other book that I wanted to talk about, which I mentioned briefly before, was The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. So... A lot of you would probably see a lot of the videos that Simon Sinek does. He does a lot of talks for big corporations like LinkedIn, Google, Apple. He does a lot of, you know, these keynote speeches about uh, leadership, about uh, companies, company culture, how individuals can maximize their efficiency in a company, in a, in a company um, so and to develop uh, uh, the right culture for leaders in a company. So he has that kind of mindset of sort of company first, employees first, mission statements. Um, doesn't really like the idea of corporate responsibility, but it's that higher value that you're chasing for. And there were some interesting things. That I've, I mean, I'm, I'm about four, four and a half hours through the audiobook. There's probably a couple of hours left in it. I think it's about six and a half hours. It's a very good book. Uh, I need to listen. I need to read the other ones. Like I said, I've got one up there. Uh, in the bookshelf, which is why, is it why, yeah, leaders, leaders eat last. Yeah, that was the one. And he's got one with called Start With Why, which I need to get and read because a lot of people have read and reviewed that. I probably need to get onto that. But this is his new book and it's good. Uh, he's got a very interesting point of view when it comes to businesses and uh, working in a, in a finite or a infinite mindset when it comes to running their business. So I just want to elaborate on that a bit more. So the finite versus infinite mindset is the one in which businesses are run based on finite ways. So that could be um, competition, uh, the market, whatever that might be, or an infinite mindset in, in the sense of creating value for a long period of time as if your business was going to run until the end of time rather than in the next two years where you can seek to maximize profit, shareholder value. Basically, he's saying that there's the Wall Street model in the sense of increasing shareholder wealth, maximizing stock value, maximizing shareholder value, which is the norm at the moment. I mean, I'm currently studying for my chartered accountancy and one of the things is maximizing shareholder value is one of the principles when you're running a business. And he basically debunks this in the book and says maximizing shareholder value, although in the short term is great, it doesn't create an environment in which a business could run excuse me, for a long period of time in sense of the infinite way, in the sense you have a higher mission, a higher purpose. And we all see that in businesses. I mean, something that Jeff Bezos does so well, I mean, he does this so well, is he says, the customer's always first. That is Amazon's mantra. It's the customer's always first and everything they build, everything they do is with that customer is first mentality. Customer service is key. And that's not to diminish any other things they do is just to say, look, if we're not delivering the maximum of value for our customer, then we're not doing, we're not aligning to our vision. So anyone who doesn't follow that vision at Amazon, I'm sure doesn't work there anymore. And this is what he's trying to say in this book is you either have the short term finite way of thinking and you have, or you have the infinite way of thinking, um, sort of the example that he gave in the book was great. And one I wanted to touch on. So he talked about how, I can't remember the name of the Microsoft uh, CEO, but when they released the Microsoft Zoom, which was the competitor to the Apple iPod back in the day, 
um, who can remember those the zoom was uh, albeit uh, i don't know i never saw one but in the book they say a superior product um to, to apples and it had loads of specs it was great but the issue was is they were so focused on creating a product that was better than the ipod rather than aligning to like a greater vision of being you know innovating on the product creating product value that they missed opportunities you know to, to innovate whereas they focused on the zoom and he was saying look this is going to take market share away from apple and all that kind of stuff apple just came out with the iphone and completely changed it and then the guy turned back and said you know apple's not going to make any money from the from the phone market you know it's such a saturated market they've only got you know five percent share in the market as it is and now i mean everyone and his dog has an iphone only though those hardcore android users are like nah never gonna use an uh, sorry about that got a phone call so i needed to take it so so just continuing on that point um, on the finite versus infinite mindset. So that story was quite interesting with Microsoft and Apple. It was the way in which Microsoft were, were focusing on creating a product that was superior to Apple, whereas Apple was creating a product that was superior to everything on the market and was superior on the basis of what they wanted to create, what they had envisioned with their mission statement and their values rather than focusing on any other of their competitors. So that's what I kind of took from the finite versus infinite mindset. And it was, it's the premise of the book. It's saying that, you know what, you have this business, you have people who focus on being finite. So focusing on short term trends, focusing on increasing shareholder wealth, dividends, etc. Or you have the infinite mindset, which is creating value over a long period of time and creating something that lasts. So that was one of the points that I took from it and some of the things that I think is very interesting to explore, um, especially if you're going to read this book or even if you're going to do something for yourself when it comes to business is finding that difference between the finite and the, inf and the infinite and, you know, using that mindset. So the second point, we kind of touched on something I just talked about, which was the short term financials versus the long term financials. And it's, he specifically talks about the downfalls of Wall Street. And in particular, he mentioned the Wells Fargo controversy a couple of years ago. I think it might have been in 08 where they said that they used to create fake accounts to, you know, increase sales for the actual sales individuals. So they were so focused on creating short term goals of for instance their bonus was linked to how many sales they did in a year it was systemic throughout the organization that people would create fake accounts and then close them right after opening them to see to basically claim as if they were making a sale and everyone knew this and they did this because they knew that they would get more money they would get more bonuses and they would meet their targets and there was instances where customers would sort of get you know credit cards through the post or they would get you know mail um and, and they would just say, oh, look, it was an accident. Don't worry about it kind of thing. And that systemic lack of morality or ethics, whatever you want to call it, into an organization happens, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis sometimes. And it doesn't take long for it to get out of hand. And he says, if you have organizations that have these systemic problems, then it takes a long time for it to be eradicated. And it takes a long time for it to build up. It just doesn't happen one day it's one person does it then a second person does it and then it builds and builds and builds and interestingly he talked about no one got reprimanded for it and they got fined i think eight one hundred eighty five million dollars 
for a company that has like 25 billion or whatever it is turnover so it was like someone who was on i think he says someone who was on 75 grand a year getting you know fined 150 dollars or something so very negligible um so it's just interesting to, to think about how someone how an organization goes from um sort of has that moral doesn't forgets that moral compass when it comes to the de their decision making and it he kind of touches on that book sort of it touches on this in the book briefly the idea of having a moral vision over financial reward and that's not to say you know you negate profit because if you don't make money and you don't have profit then there's no way that you're going to be able to build a business but this idea of creating that moral vision as your sort of north star and then keeping your vision aligned to that because then you won't ever deviate from it so I'm about halfway to three quarters of a way through that book and I nearly finished it. So if there's any more things that come up in the next week or so, then I'll talk about it in the next week, next week's podcast. So those are the kind of ideas that I got from Simon Sinek's book, um, The Infinite Game. And um, so the other book that I'm reading at the moment is The Great Economists by Linda Yu. And she talks about each economists through time. And then their impact on that, sorry, their, their philosophy and their impact on the economic way of thinking at their time and how that form of thinking could help us at this present moment in time. So, for instance, there's economic instability all around the world um, and it's ways in which we can use those principles to better our society and better our economic environment because you have socio-economic, you have political problems, you have environmental problems, you have geopolitical problems and you have economic problems and they all kind of work in tandem in that sort of pentagon, if you want to call it, um, that there's that close relationship and symbiotic relationship between all of them. Um, like I said, I'm only three chapters into this book and it started off with Adam Smith, who was who is regarded as sort of the grandfather of modern economics through his um the free hand in in market economics that the market determines everything there's sort of the the free hand that works by itself um david ricardo was the second one i hadn't heard of him before but he's very much on the idea that you know markets not too dissimilar to adam smith but kind of a bit more different a bit more left-leaning if you want to call it a bit more socialist when it comes to the division of wealth and then the current chapter that I'm on or just reading is the Karl Marx one and one that I kind of wanted to explore a bit more in this podcast was the idea that Karl Marx is regarded through his works the Communist Manifesto arguably his most famous book um, he also has another famous book called Capital um, but through reading his biography or part part of his biography which was in this book you kind of realize that he didn't actually come from sort of a poor background. His wife was from a very well-to-do family and his dad was a lawyer himself. He studied sort of Greek Latin at school. He was very educated, um, but kind of adopted a, a communist socialist point of view. Now, those contradictions to me are a bit strange because how someone can be from such an upbringing yet how they can sort of align with the masses i mean when he wrote the communist manifesto he was living in a house with you know servants and all that kind of stuff um but then he was championing the working class which makes you question what the purpose was behind that why was he championing that way of thinking if he came from this background and i don't know whether he was saw an opportunity to gain power where he saw an opportunity to you know 
influence people. I think his uh, compatriot, who was he was working very close with him. What was his name? Frederick Engels, I think his name was. Uh, he worked very close with him, and he financed Karl Marx along the way because he was he was very poor at the time, um, and he was struggling with money. So I just found that weird because then you know countries such as China, Russia. Uh, Cuba adopted a, a hardline communist policy and in doing so killed millions and millions of people. I think in China alone, under Mao Zedong, they killed 80 million, 80 million people died, um, mostly due to starvation. I mean, I remember studying it at school because I, um, at university because I studied politics and I did a course on Chinese politics. And we did one lecture and she was saying that in some instances in rural China, you would have, you know, families killing children killing their own children or they would die out of starvation and then the other members of the family would then eat those children to survive just complete you know barbaric way of thinking and it happened in the soviet union as well i mean in the book they talk about the um which book was it it might have been oh we're having a bit of a crossover here in the book the the finite the infinite game simon senek talks about the a siege of a of a city in the world war Two where they had famine under communist rule and people were focusing on seeds it was the idea of like a mission and they had seeds and grains and stuff in the city but then no one would have you know access to it because if people got access to it then they wouldn't allow people to then eventually get it so it was the idea of finding a higher purpose and then sticking to that so the the communist manifesto Karl marx had this ideology and then people died from it the same thing happened in communist russia many people died of starvation there and then they had the camps on top of that the gulag camps which was talked about in the book uh, the gulag archipelago by alexander solzhenitsyn where he endured multiple soviet union soviet union gulag camps or torture camps where they were subject to harsh treatment even russian citizens um People think it was just Jews. It wasn't just Jews. It was even Russians that maybe went against the state that went there. So he talks about actually interestingly in that book, and I, I will kind of want to touch more upon that book because I have read it, but I haven't done a review of it yet. He says that everyone is a good person, but they're in systems in which they aren't allowed to be the best per version of themselves. Basically saying that each individual for instance, you and I could have been in the same situation as one of those prison guards and then doing the exact same thing as they were doing. So it doesn't they don't differentiate between the both. It's just following what people have done before you and then you act in that certain way. So that's kind of what I've taken from the book so far. The book was, is, I think, going to expand more on the idea that how economic thinking has developed through industrialized periods of time i haven't quite got to that point yet um and technological innovations i'm looking to read more about and how economic ways of thinking have have developed over time after that so those are the kind of thoughts i've had at the moment those are the kind of books i'm reading so let me know what you think in the comments about some of the thoughts in this book whether you relate to it and some of the ideas that I've discussed in this book, like I've said, please subscribe to my channels all across social media, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and on my podcast channel. All my podcasts are now available on Anchor, um, which then sort of spreads it out onto Spotify, Apple, um, all other podcast streams, uh, also on SoundCloud. So would appreciate it if you go check that out. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, 
so yeah that's it for this week's podcast um if there's anything that i can do for you or there's anything that you'd like to contact me about please send me a message and i'll make sure to get back to you whether that's book recommendations whether that's uh, books that you want to send me or just some suggestions or if you just want to have a nice chat so until next week's episode thanks for watching